When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you all. The start of a new week and uh, we'll start with uh, some rugby review of, of action over the weekend. NPC action, of course, and uh, the Black Ferns uh, continue on. Uh, they're winning way at the uh, Rugby World Cup, so we're knocking over Wales. We'll talk to TJ, Tony Johnson, very shortly uh, about the rugby happenings. Uh, we shall give you an opportunity just after 9.30 to talk about what you saw over the weekend as well. Uh, there were a chemist warehouse voucher for $50 up for grabs. What impressed you the most? What worried you the most? Um, we've put the Kiwis on show this morning. Uh, have you watched it? What did you make of that? Uh, some interesting results. Uh, in the Rugby League World Cup to begin with. Uh, Daniel McCarty comes to us uh, just after uh, 10 o'clock this morning. He's uh, looking at uh, some cricket and football matters, of course, the Phoenix uh, securing another point at the weekend. Uh, but then they head, uh, head on the road very shortly. We'll look at the EPL action as well. Good result for Liverpool this morning. Uh, Jamie Wall and Guy Havelt on the panel. Um, and uh, we'll uh, look at a number of issues there, including uh, the ones we've talked about so far. But uh, in boxing, David Nika. Uh, with a very powerful fourth uh, KO over the weekend in his pro career. Uh, he's now 5-0, and oh, looking very, very good. Uh, Greg Alexander, Brandy Alexander, will uh, be with us just after 11 o'clock as well uh, as we look at uh, what's happened in the Rugby League World Cup. And uh, there's Hasler's gone as well. So what uh, next for Manly? Uh, Brandy on those issues uh, after 11. We'll have a stump smithy around uh, uh, 11.29, 11.30. We'll ask for calls for that. Uh, so we look forward to... A really busy start to the week. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, it's a pretty darn good weekend all round, to be fair. On the sporting front, the Silver Ferns, brilliant in the Constellation Cup. Uh, 2-0 heading to Aussie. I'm an optimist, but I'll, I'll be honest, I did not predict that. Uh, the Black Ferns, 2-0 after a slow start and a wonky scrum against Wales, but back on track. A really good chance, too, to study the style and power of France and England. Those tapes will be worn out by the time they get to meet. They can break those shackles up front. It's on to win it out wide. We have the best finishing power, I think, but that's a big if. Phoenix getting a late equaliser to be unbeaten after two, but now it's time to hit the road again, Jack. Rumours too about head coach Ufi Tulay getting Danny Hayes' vacant post. Can he do both? Which pays more? That would be interesting to know. The Breakers 2-1, now after a win on the road in Melbourne, it's more than just promising. Signs really good there for Modi and his squad. Seems the recruitment recruitment process has gone pretty well this time around. Uh, and uh, as for the Women's World Cup, it uh, goes to sleep for a few days as it tends to midweek. 
All eyes on the Rugby League World Cup out of the UK and the T20 World Cup out of Australia. How good are the Wellington Lions? Pummeling Auckland. If they can get half a decent job done up front against the Cantabs this weekend, they can do the unlikely and it will be six years that the Red and Blacks have not won the NPC title. Shield holders and champions, Wellington. How good does that sound? Enough to sell a few more yellow seats. That's how good. The Black Caps have some last-minute tinkering to do before a sold-out appointment at the SCG on Saturday night against the Aussies. What an occasion that will be. What a time to exercise some demons about winning over there against them. Guppy or no guppy? That is the question. Low light of the weekend, parking my car under the trees at the races on Livermore Day and having bur- every bird in Hawke's Bay crap on it. Then driving to the car wash to find out that that was closed. Took some elbow grease and some pressure hosing to restore the old girl. Lesson learned, you stupid old man. it behind him for Willie Hines. Nice pass for Gunn. Play happy, straightening and stepping and breaking through. Lomaker play happy. Breaks another tackle. Offloads it away to McAllister. Always oh, in. Get a try. Fergus Burke. But that's all about the brilliant footwork. Lomaker play happy. Absolutely sliced them open. I tried. I knew you were there. But when they start trying to turn the ball over. It's been a very good season for them. They knocked off the defending champions last week. But Canterbury just too good in the semi-final. It's Canterbury against Wellington here next week to decide the Bunnings NPC for 2022. Uh, that is the voice of Tony Johnson who joins us now. And that uh, it's a try that they say could be one in the candidates for a try of the season. An absolute cracker there set up by Ramaka Boyepi. Just brilliant. Uh, but that was uh, after Auckland had uh, been thumped 54-19 by Wellington the previous night. Uh, that was an outstanding result for Wellington. Now, they've just come from nowhere to play some great footy. There's no doubt about that. And Bay of Plenty, as we heard, uh, ultimately were unable to contend with just the consistency of Canterbury going down 24-10. So that paves the way for a brilliant NPC final this Saturday. Uh, whilst in the Rugby World Cup uh, for women, of course, the Black Ferns continue to show they can run tries in from anywhere, beating Wales 56-12 to advance to the quarterfinals with a game to spare. TJ, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How'd you go? Uh, look, uh, let's start on the NPC. Eh? Wellington, what a roll they're on. I, I, I've, got, I've got to be honest, start of the season, I would not contemplate them being shield holders and possible champions. They have found something. Yeah, and it's tremendous momentum to take into the final and the confidence that comes with that. They're on a real winning tear, but it's not just the fact that they're winning, it's how they're winning. They are running rampant. Uh, I, I just love the setup of this Wellington team. I've sort of talked about it over the last few weeks, the, the great balance that they have where you've got some good old stages in there, um, you know, the likes of Pekahalkau and having him come back just with his vast experience. Um, Dom Bird in the middle of the forward pack in the engine room alongside, uh, you know, one of the hardest working locks in the game. Um, and, and then you've got in the back line, you know, Garden Bashup at this level, very good. Uh, and Julian Savia now qualifies as a, as, as a veteran and clearly he's bringing something as well. So, you know, and, and then you've got this sprinkling of, you know, really quite explosive young talent in the side. Peter Luckey, what a season he's having. So, 
Mm. There's a lot to like about this Wellington team, and to me, that sets it up for a great final. Uh, you know, Canterbury, we know how good they are. We, there's nothing we don't know about Canterbury. Wellington just bring that, that extra factor, which makes it such a good decider. So how would you sum up uh, Auckland's season now that it's uh, done and dusted? Flaky, I think. Uh, inconsistent. You just can't afford to be inconsistent at this level. And that's been their problem. When they've been good, they've been pretty good. And they've looked like they've got you know credentials to go a long way, go well deep into the competition. But they've just lost games that you know, they really needed to win. Now, I suppose the Northland game, you know, Northland had a great season. Uh, they played some fantastic rugby, but losing up there, that was a pivotal result for the whole competition, really, because it forced Auckland into a situation where they had to go to Wellington, and I don't think if anyone in the competition would fancy that at the moment. And, of course, it propelled Northland into the top eight as well. But uh, you've, just, you've got to be more consistent than that, and, and that, was, that was their problem. What's it going to take, Tony? I mean, this Wellington side is playing out of their skins. They're finally delivering for their public, but the public aren't delivering back. What's this going to take to fill some yellow seats there? Yeah, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know whether I've got the answer to that, Smithy, because I think the, the quality of the rugby has been really good. I don't think the ticket prices are astronomical. I just think, you know, at the moment, there's just so much going on. Uh, people pick and choose what they go to see. Uh, I suppose there's the comfort of watching it either at home or in a bar on TV. There's all, all sorts of factors come into it. The other thing is the discretionary dollar at the moment. You know, people, once you, you know, the ticket prices might be okay, but once you've got yourself there, because um, you can't park your car anywhere near a stadium anywhere these days, um, you can bike there if you like. But, but uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the price of everything just sort of adds up. It's a shame, as I say, because... To, to me, um, this year's NPC, this, in terms of the rugby and in terms of a bit of unpredictability uh, and and the, the, the open nature of it, it, it you know, that it has been outstanding. It has been, actually. Uh, n- not many people know too much about uh, Leo Crowley, but of course the Crowley name is synonymous with uh, a lot of domestic rugby over the years, a lot of rugby a little bit higher than that as well. Uh, but he just seems to have pieced together a, a, a nice coaching staff as well. And they, Wellington, for the first time in a long time, with Duplessis Karufi there at the, the helm on the field, they don't look as if they're getting ahead of themselves. Uh, and they're, they're putting a lot of emphasis on preparation. Oh, well, it's always been the key with uh, Wellington teams, and I you include the Hurricanes in this, if you could just find the balance between the, the natural desire to attack and, and you know do you know, extraordinary things, but you've got to temper that. And I guess this is where that, that Taranaki DNA comes into it. What I like about the way, you know, Leo has gone about his work and he's just, you know, he's built this team up, but he's, he's, it's quietly, he's in the background. He's not in the forefront. It's not a big sort of personality type uh, scenario. He's prepared to let the players take centre stage, but the players have rewarded him. And as I, as I say, I think they've done a really good job just forming this team with the right sort of ingredients, the right balance that you need. I mean, they've still got a huge job to do next week, but I think what next weekend, but I think what, what's really compelling about this, Smithy, is you can just sense that they're going to go there with no fear. That They're not going to be worried about, you know, we're playing in Christchurch um, or the, we're playing Canterbury on their turf. It's like we're playing our game and try and stop us. 
Let's look at uh, that game then, Tony, that uh, you called over the weekend. Um, look, uh, 24-10 in the end. Uh, it was the story of uh, one side, uh, I guess, having a, a number 10 who was uh, pretty complete in his performance and the production line just continues down there for the 10 jersey uh, with another side that didn't have uh, their reliable and outstanding number 10 this year and uh, Caleb Trask. Yeah, it, it was a, a tougher ask for Howard to step up into that role. Uh, look, his, his general play was, was pretty good. Uh, the, the only thing is, uh, in a game that's going to be as tight as that, you've got to take every chance going your way if you're going to beat Canterbury. And they, they missed those penalties in the first half. And just talking to some of the Bay of Plenty coaching staff at the airport yesterday, they felt that you know even one of those penalties, or you know ideally both of them, um, they go over and you're keeping the scoreboard ticking over, and it might have been a different game. As it was, they got themselves to within a point of Canterbury and, you know, exposed a few creeks. And Canterbury's uh, scrum, you know, you always expect that to be good, but they seem to be able to um, sort themselves out there by plenty and, and did well at scrum time and also put some real heat on the Canterbury line-out. So um, they just proved that, you know, Canterbury, uh, you know, there are areas there that you can have a go at them for sure. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a chance of winning the game. But then with the game on the line, we just, it just took one moment of sheer class from Rameka Poihipi, who, you know, ironically, a, a guy who's just absolutely Bay of Plenty, born, bred, raised, you know, his dad played for them, played club rugby till he was about 40. But here he is uh, breaking them open to set up what turned out to be, you know, the key try of the whole game. Uh, and that's sort of typical Canterbury, isn't it? You give them a half mm-hmm. chance and someone will step up and take it. And on this occasion, it's probably one of the really unsung heroes of that team. He's been so solid, so consistent uh, right throughout the season, but when it really counted, he was brilliant. Tony, the work rate of Tom Christie, 27 tackles, uh, when I'm looking at the stats, uh, but he can't uh, make the top 63 players in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've already... <laughs> already had a couple of cracks smithy i don't know whether i want to talk any more about that new zealand 15 to me i just there's a lot about it i just don't understand um so, some of the it's more about the people that haven't gone than the people that have you don't want to um just the people that have been selected for the side because you know they've worked really hard to get to that position but there are half a dozen players around the country and uh, christie would be very close to the top of the list kurt eklund was the other one quite outstanding on, on Saturday night, he's, he, you know, he doesn't just latch himself to the tow bar and pick up the tries. His work rate around the field is phenomenal. Manaki Selby Ricketts, another one. Uh, Sean Stevenson's another one. But Tom Christie, yeah, um, he had 150 tackles going into the game, and he'd only missed four in the whole season. And when you consider the way he throws himself into his work, the tackles that he attempts, to have only missed four. And then, and to, you know, in a in a crucial game like that, to come up, I, I didn't realise it was that. I knew it was getting up there. I think at one stage I thought it might have got to about 800, but the 27, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and hardly misses one. And but 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 also uh, shows up in support at key moments, clears rucks. Uh, he has just a phenomenal appetite for work. And he's just so efficient the way he does it. And, yeah, he's another one very unlucky to, to, to not be going to the Northern Hemisphere in the, in, in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, in essence, uh, we look forward to the final this weekend. And, uh, of course, um, it's going to be tough to go down there. Uh, as you pointed out earlier, anyone that goes down there has to be at 110%. 
but uh, who would who would you give the edge to on absolute form at the moment? Well, home advantage with Canterbury, um, but perhaps the more compelling, exciting form uh, with Wellington. I think it's going to come down to, to who starts the game. Well, I think if Wellington got off to a flyer, then then I, I think they're a real chance, and it, it draw brings you back to. Um, to um, 2000 and I know that's starting to disappear in the rear vision mirror now and some people might not even remember it but uh, Wellington went down there probably in similar circumstances um, in 2000 Canterbury at that stage um, they had about 16 All Blacks and they were playing I think Wellington probably had uh, 10 sort of current or future All Blacks and and they were all playing Uh, but Wellington through Jonah Lorma got off to a start and and they held on it was a actually I remember the game, Smithy, because I was watching it with an old uh, teammate of yours, Richard Reed, who, uh, of course, Wellington through and through. Uh, he was living up in Auckland at the time, and I was around watching it. And he'd been waiting for this moment for years and years. And and, and he, he, at the end, he's going, it's going to happen, isn't it? They're going to come back and they're going to win. And in the end, he went and he, I think he shut himself in, in the pantry because he just couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that, that's what I remember most about that but uh, a fantastic final and I, I think you know it, it shapes as another one you know Wellington will have to yes they'll have to play their natural game I don't think you go down there and you go into your shell and you don't try and grind it out you've got to play the rugby that's got you to where they are they'll just have to be careful um, you know they'll get plenty of ball kicked at them they've just got to be careful with that you know return ball because Canterbury what they have above all else is the ability to play the game where they want to be playing it. They, they kick well, uh, they carry well, they get themselves into the right part of the field. And so Wellington will just have to be careful that they don't, uh, you know, try and do too much from, from deep, you know, if it's not on. Um, and, and, you know, the kicking game is going to be important as well. So, look, uh, to, to me, uh, I, I, I absolutely give Wellington a shot at this. But um, Canterbury, you know, They've got a, a legacy of success. They haven't won this thing for 2070. They'll be pretty determined on their home ground. And let's hope um, that they can get a decent crowd there, Smithy. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I've just got a text in saying, why did Canada, Canada Republic not go? Their team is successful. Shocking. So uh, that is interesting. Well, right, let's uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that stadium, Smithy, it's not exactly... Uh, it's not exactly the most comfortable thing. I, you know, they've, they've actually, the, the side of the field that we're working on, they've closed that off at the moment and it's rusting. And you talk about bird poo, Smithy. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it's starting to look like one of those islands in the South Pacific, um, that old stadium. So it's, it's, it's not great. And, you know, let's just, let's just hope that in, that life, in our lifetime, Smithy, we get to call a game at the new stadium. Five more years to six more years, Tony. That's uh, going to be a lot more bird poo. I can tell you that. All right, uh, let's look at um, let's look at the the Black Ferns uh, who were uh, out west over the weekend. Of that yesterday, they knocked over Wales fifty six twelve. What are you seeing there? And uh, did uh, were you able to at any stage to just get a quick glimpse at France and England as well? Because they're saying they're the yardstick. Yeah, they are, and England now uh, have, have just shown themselves, just underlined why they're the favourites for this tournament. Um, haven't lost a test since 2019. They've won 27 in a row, and this was going to be uh, the key game, probably, of the whole uh, round-robin situation, and 
you know, they had to come up big. They had to defend a lot. France, very good team. I saw quite a few of the French players were in the sevens team that played so brilliantly at the Olympics last year. And and so that was always going to be a tough game. And England came through it. Um, you know, and they'll, they'll be really pleased about that. So there's no question. They are the team to beat. Um, there's been massive investment in the, in the women's 15 game. Um, it, it's all been at the expense of the sevens, unfortunately, uh, in, in the UK. But England have invested big money, and it's a fully professional setup. They've got a professional league, and it's being reflected in the success of their team at the top. Um, New Zealand, look, in the end, they won with some spectacular rugby, and when they get their game going, they're encouraged to, to you know, to, to play to their strengths, to to play a, an exciting, you know, adventurous game. But there are there are things obviously that they're going to need to improve. Uh, paramount <clears throat> is the discipline. I mean, you know, seventeen eight penalty count against uh, that would be a losing penalty count against a really top team. And also the scrum in the first half got just completely messed up. It got better in the second. So there are things to work on. It's very much a work in progress. But uh, when they get it going, uh, when they get a bit of front football, boy, there's some attacking talent in that team and they play some terrific rugby. Tony Johnson with his thoughts there, folks. TJ, have a a great call in Christchurch uh, Saturday night. Uh, Look forward to uh, hearing that from the other side of the Tasman. Go well, my friend, and thank you for your time. And go well, you, Smithy, and uh, I hope we have a, a, you know, come on the the black caps, eh? That would be fantastic if uh, if they can knock over that, exercise that demon, as I said before, uh, of uh, not beating Australia on Australia. If they win that, they could win it. It's as simple as that kind of, that's the nature of T20 cricket. So it's a massive game, massive game. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Just don't park your car under a tree while you're gone. Yeah, I learnt my lesson, and I learned to learn so late in life, particularly in spring too. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much for that advice. Cheers, man. Have a good week. Uh, right, uh, TJ there. Uh, it is uh, coming up to 24 minutes past nine here on SCNZ. Smithy's Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Yeah, well, it's time for the Razine Cricket Update, and it's all about Namibia. They have uh, set the qualifying stages of the T20 World Cup on fire with a 55-run, yeah, get that, 55-run win over Sri Lanka. Now, honestly, that is one of the biggest cricketing turn-ups in a long, long time. Sri Lanka are not at the top of their game. They're not considered to be one of the favourites going into the T20 World Cup. Uh, But to be hammered by that nature, they will be all over the place trying to sort their problems out and still trying to manage to get their way in. Um, West Indies against Scotland today, also a big game. It's uh, potentially uh, got room for an upset, Uh, as has Zimbabwe against Ireland. Zimbabwe will be the the slight favourites in that one, but Ireland are a very, very handy side. Uh, Namibia up against the Netherlands, Sri Lanka simply have to beat the UAE in short, if they didn't beat the UAE that would be curtains for them so uh, we'll keep an eye on those, are very important games because at some point uh, one of those or two of those qualifiers will come up against New Zealand so they're very very important games uh, and New Zealand wouldn't mind playing in Namibia as opposed to Sri Lanka I can promise you that uh, from New Zealand's point of view they've got a very important game later this afternoon in terms of their preparation uh, that is against South Africa I would be picking New Zealand to win that, uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the li- the side, the lineup, because uh, what they should be doing, providing everyone is fit to play, 
playing their top, their top side. They've got to be playing the side that played against Australia this weekend. So will it be Martin Guptill at this stage? Probably not. Uh, but whoever plays simply uh, has to get the most out of the preparation. Re- result, not crucial, not absolutely crucial, but the fact we've got to have players getting in form on Australian surfaces right from the outset. So uh, that is the important uh, part of this week of cricket before New Zealand, of course, face Australia on the 22nd, Saturday the 22nd. And just by the by, that is sold out at the SCG. What an atmosphere. That is the Resine Paint update for this Monday. Uh, We'll have a much more conclusive one next Monday when we review the weekend's action in the T20 World Cup proper. It is coming up to news time with Araha. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 Yep, plenty to talk about, 0800-150811, the $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher uh, up for grabs this morning. Um, yes, so what about the weekend? Uh, what did you make of the Black Ferns if uh, you were uh, able to watch it? How do you think that they went? Uh, Auckland and uh, Bay of Plenty seasons are over, so it's a Wellington-Canterbury final. What did you make of the NPC at the weekend? The Black Caps, uh, who do they pick? Uh, going into uh, this uh, World Cup. Do they play with Martin Gupta? We talked about it the other day. He came in and batted at three for Williamson, scored 30-odd. Williamson over the weekend, though, getting 59, uh, which was uh, a much-needed uh, result for him, although the Black Caps were beaten, absolutely beaten, um, uh, up front by <coughs> Pakistan in that final. So good signs for Pakistan, not such great signs for New Zealand at this point. So uh, please get on the line and uh, tell us uh, what you thought of uh, the Kiwis as well. Uh, winning this morning uh, in their hit out, their first hit out uh, over uh, over in the uh, Rugby League World Cup. That was uh, a pretty good performance in the end, but Lebanon were brave as well. Ed, good morning, Ed, uh, from Tolaga Bay, um, but really truck driving in Auckland. G'day, Ed, how are you? Morning, bro. Plenty of sports on the weekend, man. What can you say? But um, the main one for me is um, the boys have got a home final. I know. I saw this. Now, this is an amazing result. What a season you guys are having. What a season, man. Far out. And um, I was going to say, last time I was in Rotoria for the Legends game, oh, we got too busy carried away drinking and we missed the main game where Jose had his first run with the boys. <laughs> that was the result of, yeah, I remember that, Jose Gear coming back. Uh, but what, yeah, a, what yeah, a coaching yeah. effort and this, what a coaching effort this has been. And, uh, what a yeah. terrific effort because, wow. they, you know, to, to get they could win this, eh? they could seriously win this at home. It'll be well, a hell of an occasion. They already, they already beat them this year down there. Mm. It, it is, was one yeah, of their one... man, all the best for the boys. Uh, so that's all I want to say, in the, you know. But, uh, you know, still watching like, the girls' rugby, the league started. The, oh, never mind the cricket T20, well, they can beat Australia, come on. You think so, Ed? I hope, I, I don't share they your confidence you, at this you, point. Man. Oh, yeah, never mind, well, Never mind. It's a one-off. Well, anyway, we'll it's just get wee-wee and, yeah, all good. Good on you, boys. Go the Cambridge Blues. Go the Cambridge Blues at home uh, in Ruatoria. That would be fantastic. Although that's not what they call themselves. It's the colour of the jerseys, and they are good. That's a, it's a really good story, this. A really good story. Uh, John, good morning to you, John. Uh, Auckland, not quite good enough. Um, and Wellington, absolutely way too good, to be fair. 
Yeah, yeah, Morena Smithy, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, first of all, you know, you've got to acknowledge when a team's better than you, and you saw that on Friday night. Man, that Wellington team, amazing, amazing. Um, hoping they're going all the way because I put put some money on them to win the title at the start of the season, so even though I'm an Auckland fan. Um, but uh, just, you know, a lot of sport, <laughs> a lot of sports on this weekend. Disappointed with the Black Caps against Pakistan. I think um, Pakistan are our bogey team. Lucky enough, they're not on our side of the draw. Um, but yeah, disappointing all in all. But we've got a warm-up game, I think, against India in a couple of days in South Africa. So that'll be good to get the cobwebs out for a couple of the boys over there in Sydney. Um, but I'm not I'm not holding high hopes for the Kiwis in this World Cup, actually. Sorry, Smithy. Um, only because of their recent form, but I hope the, they prove me wrong and make another semi-final. It's going to be very hard. They've got Australia and England to contend with on their side of the draw, so we're just going to have to wait and see how the first game goes. Are you commentating over there this weekend? Yeah, heading over on uh, Friday, uh, Thursday, actually Thursday late um, uh, for Friday and then Saturday. Um, yeah, we've got uh, uh, Simon Dolan and I actually will be at the uh, SCG uh, trying to bolster the Kiwis' hopes, so we're looking forward to that. Don't know who else is in the oh. commentary team, but uh, we're certainly going to be there and there'll be a few uh, few of those Aussies in there as well trying to ram it up us <laughs> like they normally do. But hey, um, John, um, what did you make of uh, the Kiwis' first hit out this morning? That's it's a pretty. I mean, Lebanon are worthy opponents. They're worthy of being in the World Cup. So, um, what did you make of that? Yeah, they're a pretty dogged team, mate. I mean, they love defending. You know, typical Michael Checker. He coaches teams that really are in the fight most of the time, and they showed that. I mean, it shows you how good a team can be if they have proper halves. You know, they had Dewey and um, Mitchell Moses there for the Lebanese team. Uh, most of their players play in Australia. Most of them are Australians with Lebanese heritage. So. You know, they've got similar game plans to the Kiwis in Australia. Um, but, yeah, solid solid effort first game in. Um, didn't, I probably expected them to win by a bit more, but, hey, they got the win under their belt. They've got Jamaica in a couple of days, and then Ireland, which they should win comfortably, and then they'll head on to a quarterfinal against Fiji. Um, we've only played Fiji once, and we lost to them. So, you know, who knows? But um, I'm, I'm hoping this team will go... Uh, as far as the semi-finals, and then we're probably going to play Australia. John, there was uh, for me there was one interesting result so far over the weekend. Not for the sake of winning or losing, but the margin. England beating Samoa. Now a lot of people were talking about Samoa as being a playoff hope. That was a hiding. Oh, it definitely was, mate. Uh, I didn't see that coming. I actually picked England to win by about ten points, only because they're at home. Um, everyone counted them out. Um, I saw them against Fiji the week before. They won 50-0. Um, but yeah, it was a total surprise. I think the, the Samoan team, because they didn't play any warm-up games, and a lot of them hadn't played together, um, there was no cohesion there. And if you actually watch the game, um, the English team was smashing them. Their forwards weren't making any inroads, so their backs just had no ball to play with. And then their confidence went down, and then England just pulled them to the ropes and beat them by 60. But... Um, Samoa will still make the quarterfinals. They'll probably play Tonga in the quarterfinals. And then if they oh. win that, they'll probably play England again. Oh, what a hell of a night that would be. Samoa against yeah. Tonga on neutral ground. Amazing. Hey, John, Amazing. thank you very much for your call. Always love talking to you, mate. I, I, I really do appreciate your thoughts. Uh, Joey from Auckland, enjoy talking to you as well. Joey, good morning to you. 
Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, Auckland got picked, mate. I, I, I was predicting that um, only because, as I, I said on the station before, if you if you put all the teams together, we finished actually out of the top eight. We finished seventh, and the uh, and this is not NPC I'm talking about. And the the um, our defence has been terrible. You know, we're leak, leaking. You can't leak in 30 points or you know 25, 30 points on an average, Smithy. And think you got to win, win anything, you know. So, you know, um, heads up to Wellington. Um, I think they'll give Canterbury a really good go. The only problem is down there. It's played down there, and, and it's got to be. And Canterbury haven't won it for four years, so it's five years. So it's it's got to be pretty tough. They just know how to turn the turnstiles, if you know what I mean. You know, in the last twenty and stuff like that. But Wellington played well. But I I thought Auckland were poor, to be honest. And 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 we're going to cop it. Um, it's just the way it is, um, you know, and, and and you just gotta you just gotta expect that. And with the Kiwis, um, I just heard the result. I didn't see the game, but um, they're going okay. Samoa, I, I always England are gonna be tough because they're at home. You know, don't write mm. off England. They're at home and they're gonna be tough, mate. Uh, any side that plays at home uh, is, is is gonna be tough. And and I thought England would actually beat Samoa, but I don't think the score would be that uh, that that high. I don't. Some no, I, I totally agree with you um, on, on that uh, that score. That would be very worrying for me if I was involved with that uh, Samoan camp because you've got to get momentum in those early games and they've got to pull themselves back now. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what was going on there. That's, that's an absolute blowout. And Auckland, uh, it's just for me, it's just a, a season that just sort of tried to get going and, and just didn't, Joey. That, you know, and... That has been the case, and whether uh, you know they've, they've had players come in from All Black duty, uh, not quite fire for them. They had uh, what Patrick Tuapaloto over the weekend, and that didn't do them any good. We still don't quite know about RTS. What's his best position, etc. Do we? No, well, exactly. You know, and and also too, you know, I, I, you know what I'm like with these um, sabbaticals. I, no player comes back a better player or as good as what they were when they have these sabbaticals, you know, and, and, and it's been proven. You just you only got to look at the players that have had them. Um, and, um, okay, they go there for the money or whatever, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that. But um, New Zealand rugby is very tough, and you've, it's, in a, it's week in, week out, and if you're not playing week in, week out, like the likes of Tuivasa Sheck and others, um, it, it can really hurt you as a player and, and, and your confidence as well. And just the last thing, Smithy, um, I am a little bit worried about, just like your last quarter, John, with the um, the Black Caps now. You know, um, I, I thought we should have beaten Pakistan. Um, and, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I am a little bit worried. This will be interesting to see how we go against Australia because uh, they got, they've been tailed up for us against uh, England. Um, but, of course, they always turn up against us. But what do you think? I, look, I'm, I'm worried uh, about them as well. They just haven't shown any consistency. Um, they, they, to me, um, Joey, that we we've got to get uh, some better scores, better scores at the top of the order. If we don't get those, you know, that's where the game's won with the bat. You can't expect guys that are batting six, seven, eight uh, to set up scores for you because they'll be setting them up when you're in trouble. So you're only going to be look. We're going to have to set our bar very high, uh, a lot higher than it's been in New Zealand conditions. One sixty is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it against the best sides. Uh, you, you've got to be setting your sights around about uh, 10 runs and over, 190 to 200, 
uh, bare minimum for me to win with the, that T20 World Cup because the conditions will be very good. Uh, the pitches will be good for batting. The outfields will be lightning fast. You've got to set the barometer that high, and our consistency or rate of that, of that higher barometer has not been there. It simply hasn't. So uh, thanks very much for your call, mate. Honestly, I uh, do appreciate it. I think uh, that is that it for uh, the weekend? It is uh, for today, actually. Yeah, it is actually. Thumbs up. So, uh, Stephen, please call in tomorrow. Stephen from Auckland, please call in tomorrow morning. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we'll give you that opportunity. And the boys will make up uh, their mind on the Chemist Warehouse voucher very, very shortly and uh, let the winner know. It's 9.45 here. Some golf information coming up shortly as well. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And give you a golf update involving Stephen Elker because, uh, of course, on this show we've been following Stephen Elker's uh, terrific uh, last couple of years and he's still uh, on top of the rankings when it comes to the Charles Schwab playoffs. Well, in, in this morning's final round of uh, the current tournament, uh, Stephen Elker has just finished. He shot seven birdies and an eagle. Um, so that is a phenomenal round of golf. But unfortunately, it won't be enough to win. He probably will finish second, but uh, he's quite a long way behind Fred Couples, who has birdied 11 of his last 13 holes. 11 of his last 13 holes. Fred Couples with the smoothest swing, probably one of the smoothest dudes all round, actually, playing on all the golf tours. Freddie Couples, uh, one of the great guys. Yes, he has birdied 11 of the last 13, and he's heading out down to 18 in the middle of the fairway as well. So uh, really good golf action. Uh, we'll keep you updated on the final result of that. And, of course, the PGA, where... Ricky Fowler, after a long absence from anywhere near the top of the leaderboard, anywhere near the top of the leaderboard, um, has uh, gotten a chance of winning. So it's fantastic for Ricky Fowler, one of the great guys uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, a couple of texts that have come in. Uh, why didn't Roger play for Auckland when Patrick played and is captain of the All Black 15? Was it because he'd get shown up against real rugby players? Everyone says he needs game time. Uh, you're right, RC. You're dead right on that. Uh, but I think one of the reasons why is that the All Blacks had um, uh, the All Blacks proper, I call them the proper team, uh, they had um, a, a camp in Nelson uh, towards uh, the middle and the end of last week. We're supposed to, we spoke to Jason Ryan, of course, on Thursday. Uh, so Roger Tuovasa-Shek quite clearly would have been involved in that um, and was not released this time around. Um, so... Uh, yeah, uh, Rick says, hey, Smithy, is the 2020 World Cup on Sky or Spark? It is on Sky, Rick. It is on Sky Television. So if you've got Sky, uh, you are in luck there. It is uh, 9.52. We'll be back shortly with a multi to begin the week. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, let's uh, look at what we've got in line today. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, unbeaten side in the NFL, will take on the Dallas Cowboys, and they are hot favourites. The Eagles at a dollar thirty-three. We'll put them in. Uh, and we'll stay with uh, Philadelphia on that theme as well because the Phillies to beat the Padres in the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, $1.97. And New Zealand to beat South Africa this afternoon in the warm-up cricket match, they're at $1.83. You multi those up, it is $4.79. A 
Fred Couples has just knocked in another birdie. Um, so, uh, and everyone is standing around the green like unbelievable scenes for the Champions Tour. Even the, the players that have finished have come out to watch an incredible round of golf uh, where Fred Couples has shot 60, by my reckoning, 60. Um, and that, uh, when you consider players uh, look to shoot their age, yes, he has. He shot 60. Uh, that is quite astounding. Um, so he won with uh, minus 20. When players look to shoot their age, Freddie Couples is getting up there uh, to shoot probably five, six, seven or eight shots under his age is quite outstanding. Um, and uh, he's just uh, celebrating in a, in a great fashion. What a great story that is. Uh, Stephen Elka finished second, so uh, a nice second outright, a nice little uh, check for him uh, to finish the week on as well. And uh, I was watching the wrong day of the Ricky Fowler tournament. Uh, that was completed yesterday in Japan, um, unbeknownst to me. And uh, Bradley won it. Uh, Keegan Bradley won it. But uh, Ricky Fowler finished second equal, which was a great finish for him. Um, uh, yes, I, I was reading the wrong page of the leaderboard. So there you go. Thanks for pointing that out, uh, Texter. I appreciate it uh, being corrected. That's cool. Get the right information out there. Um, we've got uh, Daniel McCarty after 10 o'clock. Daniel McCarty. We're going to look at uh, football, cricket, anything we like, because you can with Daniel McCarty, because he knows pretty much there is to know about everything. It's great news. Uh, he's coming up next here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the Wellington Phoenix are undefeated two weeks into the A-League men's season after settling for a late one-all draw against Adelaide uh, United last week. They backed it up yesterday with a two-all draw against the Central Coast Mariners uh, at Sky Stadium. Elsewhere in football, Liverpool handed Man City their first taste of defeat uh, with a 1-0 loss this morning. And Chelsea dished out a 2-0 winner over Aston Villa. So uh, at the top of the table, it's looking really interesting. And uh, my Spurs are hanging in there in third place, which is probably their best start for about 200 years, which is great. Uh, online now to talk about uh, the beautiful game and uh, two of the other things as well as uh, SEN's very own football and cricket uh, commentator, Daniel McCarty. Daniel, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. My pleasure, Smithy. How's the car? And I'd like to know, was it the Maserati, the Ferrari, or the Porsche that got damaged? No, nah, it was the bloody Porsche, mate. Like hell. It was the 20-year-old car, <laughs> which is still, on, still going around. Oh, my God, it gave me the screamers. But anyway, mate, there was... Uh, there was no um, bird poo on um, the start to the season for the Phoenix, mate. So um, they're unbeaten after two uh, on the back of two draws. What'd you make of that? Well, I, I think you're kind of contented when you when you start at home. Don't lose. I think they'd be far happier if they're on four competition points uh, and sort of keeping touch with the. Uh, the two up top have already uh, picked up six competition points, but if you if you drill down a little bit deeper, I think week number one you sort of bite the hand off and take the draw after you have a player sent off after the 30th minute. I do know conceding in the 93rd minute against Adelaide was hard to get over, uh, but that is uh, life. Uh, yesterday, I think if they're honest with themselves, that was probably the game where they've let two points slip. I thought they were the better of the two sides, far more intent intensity endeavour from the Phoenix from the outset. I thought they were quite slow out of the gate in week one, uh, but they fashioned the best chances in that first half. Great save from Vukovic, I remember, off uh, Barbarossas. There was also a couple of other moments where they probably should have made more of it. But the game really sparked into life, Smith, Smithy, in that second half. It was um, far more entertaining, but end-to-end uh, -end stuff. 
Uh, the Mariners looked uh, far more capable going forward. I know they had a goal chalked off in the first half for an offside, uh, but they looked dangerous. But it was uh, the Wellington Phoenix who thought they went ahead, but Ben Wayne was a judge to have been just offside. But he wasn't going to be denied. He really has been the story of the first couple of weeks. He was the leading goal scorer last week, uh, last year with six goals with uh, a couple of other players. But it looks like he's going to become a real central figure to this Wellington Phoenix lineup, um, and uh, he looks like he's blossoming. Uh, and maybe this will be a breakout season. I hope this is not the commentator's curse. But uh, I, I thought the Phoenix probably will look back, and especially the first goal um, that they conceded after being 1-0 up, after the brilliant Wayne finish, was a little bit soft. This sort of yellow sea opened up, as I think I described it. Oh, mm. my daughter's taking a tumble. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. I don't do you like the fact of uh, the Wellington Phoenix... That's all right, mate. You just you make sure your daughter's okay. That's the most important thing. So, um, is he still there? Is, is uh, have you got, have you got me there? there? Yeah, I got you now, mate. Uh, most important to look after your daughter. This is live radio. This is great. Great parenting too, by the way. We might have to call him back. Actually, uh, might be an emergency there that uh, he's got to get through. So. Uh, yeah, um, so Daniel McCarty just uh, on the Phoenix uh, at this point. Uh, we'll catch up with him very shortly, I'm sure, that um, are heading across, across to play uh, Newcastle this week, and that'll be a real test. Of course, they're so used to being on the road, uh, but that will be a really key uh, game for them in terms of uh, the early season momentum. Uh, and yes, uh, some very interesting results, actually, while we're getting Dan back in the uh, EPL over the weekend. Uh, Brentford 2, Brighton 0, Leicester 0, Palace 0, Wolves 1, Forest 0. Forest in all sorts of trouble down the bottom of the table after their first season coming back. Uh, Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2, uh, Tottenham 2 0 over Everton, Southampton and West Ham uh, battling out a one all draw. Uh, Manchester United and Newcastle uh, battling out a nil all draw, so a couple of points lost there by, by United. Arsenal uh, keep their uh, record going beautifully, they're uh, 1 0 win winners over Leeds. Aston Villa, uh, nil. Chelsea, two, as we pointed out. And yes, the big one. Liverpool, one, nil over Manchester City. But let's head back to Daniel McCarty and uh, hope the daughter's okay. And let's uh, get it uh, about those, the Phoenix at this point. Um, does it look, uh, from uh, your early early looks at uh, this particular squad, that they've recruited, recruited well this year? Well, it's hard to say, Smith, and she's, she's very tough. She's got a mother's gene, so don't worry about it. She's absolutely fine. Um, well, Jan Suss sent off in week one. You only saw 30 minutes of him, hard to judge. Crive said his moments, but, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to judge on, on the three big players up front, but they've certainly got a lot more options um, up front with it, with the development of Wayne, David Ball to come back in, in December. Barbarousas, of course, is a known commodity in this league. So I, I think Ufuk Tele can certainly augment games off the bench more than last year, and that's probably uh, one sign of optimism. But but uh, to the point I was getting to, I, I think defensively they've just got to sharpen up. I, I thought the first goal was a little bit soft, beautifully taken second goal. We've got to give uh, Central Coast Mariners credit for that. So defensive depth, that is one question I do have. But further upfield, I think there are signs of optimism. OK, crowd support. What are the, what are, what are the two home crowds been like in your view? Oh, decent game one. I was really disappointed yesterday, Smith. It was a gorgeous day in Wellington. Last day of the school holidays, three o'clock kickoff in the afternoon. 
crowd, just over 7,000, which is by no means bad across the league. Uh, but I, it left me a little bit dumbfounded. And I was uh, chatting to a few well-known uh, sporty minds last night, and we're at a loss. I, I think there's a real sort of disconnect between New Zealand sport more broadly and actually getting people through the turnstiles. I don't know if it's people like you, Smith, they are doing a t- too good a job on TV. No, I don't think it is. Um, to be fair, because we've seen it across the rugby as well, uh, very, very disappointing. Too many yellow seats for my my liking, uh, Daniel, to be fair. Uh, one of the interesting things that has uh, come out of the weekend uh, around football, though, is, um, of course, uh, the loss of Danny Hay to New Zealand football. And now uh, the first name's been thrown up of all is uh, Ufuk Tulay. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it, uh, uh, Smithy? He, he certainly indicated uh, you know, he'd be keen to at least have a conversation about it. From my understanding, I, I don't think the Wellington Phoenix Club are, are anti the, the thought process behind it to actually see if there's merit to it. Uh, there is a precedent. Ricky Herbert, of course, did the All Whites and Phoenix job for a while in a time where actually the, the lay of the land probably made you think it wasn't possible because it was back in the day when the, the A-League wasn't adhering to um, uh, international windows. They are now. Is a what five six month off season in the A League, um, and I, and I, I I do wonder if um the, the Wellington Phoenix are, are open to this as a way of possibly keeping Ufuk Tele. He, he's a guy who's off contract. Uh, I he he he's a fine coach for mine. I, I've been wondering out loud uh, whether or not he'd be a great shout for the for the Australians uh, post their World Cup. So it's a fascinating concept. Um, there'll be a debate on either side of it. But uh, it ultimately comes down to New Zealand football. What, what's clear from that review is there is a massive disconnect between the head coach and the high-performance uh, program. Um, and, and would bringing in a head coach of a professional football club fix that? Uh, that? That is something I'm just not aware of and don't really have a feel for. But if you're talking about pedigree, could he do that job? There's no question in my mind. OK, right. Let's look at uh, the Phoenix next assignment, which uh, is back on the road, back to Australia against Newcastle. Yeah, New- Newcastle picked up a win in uh, week number two. They didn't play in the first week because uh, their game against Central Coast was called off to a torrential downpour. They beat Perth, but I- Perth looked one of the-, the more sorry sides of the season. So I-, I don't feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of, of uh, Newcastle, but certainly not not in the upper echelon of, of A-League side. So uh, if you're to cherry-pick games to start a season, probably not a bad one. Uh, they'll just have to get used to the, the travel component. But this is a side that has dealt with a fair bit of adversity, and I, I think they'll just embrace that uh, that travel one. Or you know, it, It's tended to be an excuse for teams not performing well from this side of the Tasman. So uh, they, they should go you know, go over there and certainly not fear in Newcastle in any way, shape, nor form. Right, uh, Daniel, let's uh, look at the uh, APL, if we can, with some crucial matches completed this morning, including Liverpool uh, knocking over Manchester City 1-0. Yeah, that's a huge result. Uh, you know, I'm a card-carrying member of the uh, Liverpool Football Club, so there'll be bias here. But, you know, their demise, I think, has been greatly exaggerated. People questioning Jurgen Klopp, whether or not this is uh, the beginning of the end. Uh, people have short memories. I, I just felt it was a side with some real key players seriously out of form. Everyone's been talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold, but what about Virgil van Dijk? Nowhere near his brilliant best. Uh, Fabinho, who over the last two, three, four seasons been arguably one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. He's a shell of a player uh, up until this morning. But uh, they cobbled a team together. Joe Gomez at centre-half. Last time I saw him playing centre-half, he was dragged at half-time against Napoli. They had the, what, the, the ageless wonder James Milner playing it right back. 
that, that was full of character, full of fight. I don't think they were particularly great in the first half at, at fashioning chances, but tactically, uh, you know, they played played to their plan. They soaked up a lot of pressure, hit uh, City on the break. Mo Salah missed a one-on-one earlier, but he wasn't to be denied for a second. So, Smith, so you know what it's like. Confidence is hard for fans to get their head around, but... Uh, you know, it's a hugely important factor, even for the best sportsmen going around it, and I, I'm sure that will do, um, you know, wonders for them. Arsenal one, Leeds nil, Chelsea two, Aston Villa nil. So, uh, going to plan there, both of those games as such, a, a really tidy start to the season for the Gunners. Yeah, they've been really good, haven't they? I've enjoyed them, and and maybe their project is is a little bit ahead of schedule, but. Um, the, the getting wins, going to Talon Road uh, and Leeds was not going to be an easy assignment. I, I had a little asterisk next to that one, thinking that might be a game where they drop a couple of points, but another clean sheet defensively. They look a little uh, better than last year, where I thought there was a fair bit of fragility. Uh, but uh, they're a fun team to watch, actually. They're, they're all action. They're, you know, they're, they're, they really take it to teams. They, they flood forward in great numbers. They're easy on the eye, and it's, uh, you know, uh, if you're on a neutral, absolutely fine to see. So they've got a, a little bit of distance on Man City now, four points. I still just can't go past Man City. I know they've lost this morning their first game, the trail, but there's just too much quality. And, and you know, if you depress me, I'd, I've, I've still got City winning this uh, league by five, six, if not more. OK, uh, let's uh, look at, at another matter, if we could, uh, which is the T20 World Cup, which begins in earnest at the weekend, but some interesting qualifying results in Namibia knocking over Sri Lanka, just to show the fickle nature of uh, T20 cricket. Uh, what do you think uh, about uh, a Black Cap starting lineup? What are you, what are you going to do? Are you going Finn Allen uh, and no Guptill? I, I think they will. Whether or not I would have, um, you know, three weeks ago, I, I was uh, doubtful. But I, I think the first sign of that was uh, dropping Guptill for the last game of the Chapel Hadley series. Uh, Phil Allen looked good in, in that performance. I'm not your typical sort of Australian surface up north now, was it? But uh, no. I, I think just the, the strike rate for which he brings uh, can't be ignored. What in, in that tri-series was, what, mid-140s? And when you have Devin Conway, I know Devin Conway, you know, was uh, prolific, averaging over 70. His strike rate's still in the 120s. Williamson, can you carry more than those those two? That type of player, probably not. I know Guptill does have, you know, traditionally a good record in Australia, so it's it is a tough one, but but I think they will will go down the Phil Allen, Allen path. Who is fun to watch. He hits the ball well. He he he's sort of traditional, but not if you know what I mean. Uh, he hits the ball yeah. in you know traditional places, but uh, they fly off the blade. But you know bigger boundaries over there, packed house at the ECG. It's going to be it's going to be a cauldron, isn't it? So it, it's a bit of a gamble. As far as the um, the other um, spots, who, who of Bracewell, Santner, and Sodi plays? Um, is it one? Is it two? It's probably two. I doubt they'll go with three. Bracewell was excellent, but um, who was our best spinner um, amongst those three? Because, you know, batting at seven or eight, you know, you're in the side to bowl in a lot of ways. You don't tend to face too many balls in T20 cricket uh, coming in at seven or eight. And, and then the makeup of, of of the seamers is probably horses for courses. I, I, I have a lot of faith in, in all of the options they have there. So if there are two spots, um, Smithy, it's the openers, even though I think they're, um, they've cemented themselves on that. But, uh, you know, who and how many spinners do you go with? 
See, I'd, I'd you know, uh, I'd go with Sodi because I think Sodi, uh, if Sodi got it right um, and Australia went after him, I, I think he's capable of being a match winner. But he's also yep. being capable of going. He's also capable of going for plenty. Uh, but I'd gamble in favour of Sodi. I think it's time. Yeah, I think Grant Elliott and myself on our programme over the weekend pondered this. I think we talked ourselves into that, Smithy, that Santner or Bracewell, and if you are to play a second spinner, go with Sodi for that ability to to attack through the middle overs. Uh, yeah, it might not always come off, but, but on his day, um, you know, league spinners with, with the variety he does have, um, I, I think poses a few more questions. So... Uh, he, he's had a bit of success, more so at the domestic level in Australia. So I wonder if he feels okay over there. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think I'm leaning to, to taking a bit of a gamble in that position. But um, it's not as if he gave us a lot to go on. What did he concede over 10 runs and over in that uh, tri-series? So, um, yep. And I tend to think this New Zealand selection group tends to err on the side of conservatism more than anything. They do. They always have. Uh, Daniel, you and I both know that, but uh, that is the way... Uh, that's the Kane Williamson Gary Stead theme. It uh, certainly wouldn't be the Brendan McCullum theme. We all know that as well. No. Hey, mate, uh, thank you very much for getting through that family um, crisis there and uh, coming back to us. That was outstanding. We had a couple of texts in saying what a great father you are. So that's fantastic. Uh, and we'll um, we'll catch up shortly, mate. <laughs> my old mate. That's we'll very kind. Tell, tell those messages. It's all, it's all about the daughter. I, I would it's have all been about the daughter. Milking us, you know, calling for the stretcher and St John's to help me. Yeah, very EPL. Very EPL, that lot. <laughs> hey, good on you, mate. <laughs> good on you. Uh, Daniel McCarty there with us, uh, folks. Uh, of course, uh, one of our great friends here on SCNZ. It's 10.19. We'll have two more friends very shortly when we have a panel consisting of Jamie Wall and Guy Havelt. Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Jamie Ward with us this morning and uh, Guy Havelt as well. And uh, Jamie, let's uh, begin with you if we can, please. Um, Now the uh, Black Ferns are pretty solid on the score sheet, 56-12 over Wales. Uh, But what have you made of their first two matches and where they're at now? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Guy. Uh, To be honest... I still feel like that game yesterday probably posed a few more questions than it answered uh, in terms of discipline. And I know it's something that we've talked about a lot before, but unless the Blackburns can reduce, significantly reduce their penalty count, um, then they're really not going to go much further in this tournament than the semifinals because <clears throat> we saw on Saturday night a game between England and France that was very very much dominated by tackling and kicking. Um, you know, you could very much say that that was a very Northern Hemisphere style uh, of game, um, very different to what we think about when we think about women's rugby um, down here. Uh, you know, it was, it was very much based on um, tactical decisions and uh, preying on uh, the opposition making mistakes. And Unless the Black Ferns can, can start these games well, like it took them 20 minutes to get into the game against uh, the Walroos, it took them like 15 minutes to get into the game against, uh, uh, let's face it, a, a bunch of scrubs in, in Wales. Like, they, they you know, they, that's not a very good team. And uh, uh, unless they can, they, uh, if they show up against France or England 
and don't actually wake up until 20 minutes. The game's already going to be gone. And if they keep giving away as many penalties um, as they do, uh, it's going to be even worse. Um, we saw a couple of cards yesterday. We um, saw a whole bunch of them again, um, from the Australians uh, on, on, on the weekend. And I think what you've got is uh, in the uh, situation where uh, you're really seeing the difference between professionalism um, from the northern teams and the and and what we've got down here in terms of like the way that they're coached, um, the way that they the amount of rugby that they're playing, because those northern hemisphere teams have are in those situations a lot more. They know that the rules a lot better, and their instincts are far more around not giving away penalties than um, the Black Ferns and the Wallaroos are, and it is really showing. And like I said, they're running out of time um, to get that stuff right. Right. Um, good morning to you, uh, Guy Havelt. Um, yes, uh, very interesting because um, everyone you sort of talk to around us uh, is encouraged by the start, but we still really don't know, do we? Uh, when you look at France against England, which was an out-and-out door forward fest as such, uh, with a very good kicking game from uh, England's uh, Zoe Harrison, apart from that, um, they're not giving too much away. Yeah, morning, fellas. Uh, Jamie summed it up. Very well, I think. And Wayne Smith was, was quite vocal after the game as well around the discipline and how much that will cost them going forward. But the fact is, if they give away those penalties against England, um, you know, England will make most of it. They can kick from anywhere. They've got strong forwards. I'm not quite sure whether the Black Turns forwards are, are quite up to up to the same standard as England. If, if they are able to manage them, you know, for, for 60 minutes or so, then the, I feel like the Black Turns' backs might be better. Uh, but I, I do feel like a lot of that is going to be one up front, and, and right now I would say the balance is probably in England's favour. I also think England is the better team ahead of France, so I feel like if the Black Ferns can you know, get their way uh, through a couple more games, then they're probably going to come up against England if they make it to the final, and um, as I say, that might be a tough one for, for, them, for them to get past. They do have to start better, they have to be more disciplined, they're a chance, uh, but they have to improve. And I think, judging by what Wayne Smith said anyway, and even Ruby Tui post-match uh, comments, I think they know they have to improve and probably pr- improve uh, quite a bit to, to be a contender to win this title. Right, so I'm giving you home advantage uh, and first crack at this guy, Havelt, because um, this is a great battle we've got this morning. This is truly Wellington versus Canterbury, and it is the grand final. My God, I'm looking forward to this debate because... Uh, here you go. You haven't won one for a while, Guy Havelt, and Wellington are running rampant. How are you feeling? Canterbury haven't won one for a while. Sorry, how long has it been since Wellington won a won a top division oh, sure. title? It's been it's been two decades, hasn't it? It's been two decades. I mean, that's pretty much the only place oh, you need to look at, Smithy. Uh, mentally, Canterbury is all over them. Uh, I would say on the park, they're all over them. Yeah, Wellington beat Auckland, but it's only Auckland, isn't it, Smithy? Uh, look, I, I, um, I will bow to Jamie in terms of probably how much uh, domestic rugby he's watched compared to me this season. comes to Canterbury against Wellington in a domestic rugby final, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, Ian Smith and Jamie Wall, that Canterbury have definitely the mental, uh, the mental edge in that department. And if it comes close... Uh, I can't see Wellington. I can't see Wellington beating them. So uh, I look forward to this conversation next week uh, when it's another Canterbury Trophy going in the cabinet. Okay, so you've served. Um, how are you going to hit him, forehand or backhand, Jamie? 
oh, oh, very much a backhand on this one. Uh, that 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 I I don't know why. You're right, guy. You clearly haven't been watching enough provincial rugby this season. Because if you did, you wouldn't be that confident. I mean, how good for Wellington uh, on the weekend? That is that is a good Auckland side they played against. I mean, there are a lot of All Blacks fifteen players in that Auckland team. I'll tell you that much. And Wellington made them look like trash. There were you got you know. You got guys running through them all night. You know that's the that's the biggest win Wellington's ever had against or ever, and that's you're talking about 120 years right there. So, you know, but, I mean, I I'm as a Wellingtonian, of course, I'm getting myself foolishly worked up over the chances of uh, of a team winning. Um, this has happened many times in the past, many many times. Obviously, you know, the last time we won was like I said back in 2000. But I mean, look at that 2000 team who we had. We had Joan Long and Christian Colantano. And and the rest, and you know, am I getting myself far too uh, overconfident about this? Of course I am. Of course I am. Am I? Am I? Do I know at the back of my mind that Wellington are probably going to lose this game? Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, this is what's great about being a Wellingtonian. You know, you can you can have this week. You you, you get one week every every couple of years where you think to yourself, there is absolutely no way we're going to lose this game. Absolutely none whatsoever. Put your house on it. Okay, interesting. To fancy that at the start of the season, to think that Wellington would be uh, NPC champions and hold the prized log of wood as well. What a season. What an absolute season to, to yeah, dream of, really, if would if, be. If they're, that, if they're that confident, Smithy, they should put the shield up this weekend. Yeah. Sure, why not? Yeah, look. Yep, I'm, the, I'm that confident. Let, let's do it. I'll call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ring Leo Crowley and arrange it. Yeah, good on you, boys. Uh, t- t- take take five or take two or three, actually. We're going to go to the news uh, with Araha, and when we come back, uh, there's uh, one or two other issues that we really need to uh, talk about. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning, as is Jamie Wall, so it's a real Canterbury v Wellington thing, but you might come to uh, an agreement on this matter here. Uh, fellas, uh, Jamie, I'll start with you on this. Altrad, uh, the front of Jersey sponsor for the um, All Blacks and uh, the Black Ferns, of course, and uh, there's issues around this. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, quite an interesting story because it hasn't really quite landed with uh, New Zealand rugby fans just yet, but... Yeah, obviously, Altrad uh, uh, have been on the front of the All Black jersey for last season, and um, their their boss, uh, Mohir Altrad, um, has actually in, un, been arrested and un, under trial for corruption allegations, along with um, Bernard Laporte, who uh, people would remember as being the former French coach and um, pretty high up in, in world rugby, and um, they've been accused of a whole bunch of things. Um, you have to firstly understand financial crime and um, the French legal system, which I'm not going to get into too much here. But I think um, the most interesting thing about this is the role that these guys played in the World Cup hosting rights. Uh, because as you uh, as you guys might remember, uh, it felt like either Ireland or South Africa were, were going to host um, the, World, the 2023 World Cup. And France kind of came in out of nowhere on the day and um, took the hosting rights, uh, which was a real surprise and, and pretty controversial at the time. And it's all kind of, I think since then, people have started to kind of connect the dots um, with these guys. Now, how that plays out, like I've, I've been I've been in contact with some people up in France to kind of get my head around what's going to happen. He's, he, Altrad himself is probably not going to go to prison from, from what we can hear, but it, it feels like he's going to be found guilty uh, and at least 
probably have to wear an ankle bracelet or something, which is a really bad look for New Zealand rugby when you think about it. I mean, they already had enough controversy last year uh, signing on with Enios, which is obviously a um, an oil company, uh, which is not the greatest PR move of all time. Um, but to have have something like this with a guy who's you know may well be found out to be a crook. Uh, on the front of their jerseys. I mean, it was bad enough when AIG, like a company that was, you know, played a massive role in the global financial crisis back in, in 2008. But to have this happen, I mean, that's a that's really embarrassing um, for, for NZ Rugby and the All Blacks and the Blackburns because they have it on the front of their jersey as well. So how they handle this, they haven't said anything about it yet. Uh, but I'd, I'd be really interested to see what happens um, if this goes as badly as it, as it potentially could um, for Mohit Eltrad and Bernard Laporte. Just, just wanted Mar- uh, what Mark Ron- Robinson wanted for Christmas. I would imagine Guy Havelt. It's not like he hasn't had anything else to deal with this year. Yeah, he's had a pretty easy run of things, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like James <laughs> says, uh, not not a not a great look for New Zealand rugby and, and the All Blacks or the Blackburns. Uh, I do suspect though it'll be one of these things where a few people will write about it in the media and talk about it in the media. The general public in New Zealand probably won't care. So um, I, you know, I, I just don't know whether whether it have as much an impact as perhaps it should if if Eltrad is indeed found guilty and if he is indeed um, you know convicted and, and, and essentially is a criminal. Uh, I, I just don't know if the general public here in New Zealand will really care um, all that much. But, yeah, absolutely, just another conundrum or another situation that Mark Robinson has to deal with. And, and with all due respect to the guy, I, I don't know if he's, um, if he's quite handled everything uh, as, well as, as well as probably previous people in charge. Right, uh, let's uh, stay with uh, Guy Havelt if we can because uh, Silver Ferns, 2-0 uh, up after two in the Constellation Cup. I, I, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't forecast that. Well, you probably didn't because I believe it's only the second time it's happened in history that they've won back-to-back tests against Australia. So no wonder you weren't expecting it. Uh, this was actually the highlight of the weekend for me, uh, the way that Silver Fern played. Uh, both, I know it was on Thursday, so it doesn't quite count as the weekend, but particularly last night, to be able to back up their performance on Thursday um, made a change in, in, in the defensive end as well with Sula Fitzpatrick coming in. She looked good. Um, they now make a few changes to their squad for that second leg of two games over in Australia. Uh, but yeah, from what I've seen from the Silver Fern so far, it's been excellent. And for them to be able to uh, make those adjustments that they needed to make in, in such a short time between the Commonwealth Games and, and now in the Constellation Cup, uh, I think is very, very promising for next year's World Cup. Uh, yeah, I was mightily impressed by the Silver Ferns. Um, and as I say, I hope they can go over to Australia and do a number on them there because if they were to win both these games and then go over and even just win one over in Australia, I think it would be a massive achievement and, and, and results of pretty big significance uh, for the Silver Ferns. What what have you made of that uh, performance, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, really pleasing. Um, and yeah, interesting that uh, the fact that Guy just uh, brought up about how it's the first time in history they've ever won back-to-back tests. Um, it sort of shows where the team is at the moment. Um, you know, the thing about the, the Silver Ferns is they've, they've always been pretty up and down, like from season to season. You don't quite know what they're going to get. It's not quite like Warriors level uh, at the time, uh, like, Going going through it, but uh, you know they they can. It always it is always judged on how they go against Australia. So to sort of be dominating, I don't you know to tentatively use that word dominating is is really encouraging. Um, just kind of circling back to the conversation we had before, though, interesting situation with the Australian team refusing to wear 
uh, the sponsorship of a, of an Australian petrochemical company uh, on their dresses as well. I'm I'm quite interested in that that development um, because uh, it was kind of brought up over the weekend that um, you know that the, that team has taken a stand over what what's on their jerseys. Um, and as we see athletes mm. becoming more sort of socially aware and, and everything and not wanting to do that, um, there is power in numbers. Um, I would be interested to see. Uh, just how much player power plays into, um, you know, perhaps the Black Ferns um, um, and, and what they have on their jersey going forward. So, I mean, the mark has been set um, by an Australian team. And it's not often you say that an Australian sports team has the moral high ground um, in many situations, but here we are. David Nika. David Nika, um, Guy Havelt, uh, 5-0 and now in his professional career. Uh, looks like we've got a genuine contender here. Yeah, and that we wanted to see him win a fight, wasn't it, with a massive right hand uh, in the second round. Uh, maybe of slight concern was the cut that he meant that he received uh, in, in what only less than two rounds of boxing, um, possibly saying that his defence might need to improve slightly, but certainly promising. And as you say, five and zero. Oh, uh, with all due respect to Titi Motutanga, uh, don't know if he's you know top caliber boxer or anything like that. But uh, you can only beat what's in front of you, and uh, and David Nika certainly did that in pretty good style. Uh, I, I like the fact that he was able to finish it so quickly, finish it so strongly with one massive punch. Uh, as I say, maybe those defences just need to improve ever so slightly. OK. Um, yeah, I, I think very promising signs. And, and he he's, he's cuts a good image for me too, uh, for me, David Nika. He, he looks pretty damn good about everything he does. Um, what about the Kiwis this morning, uh, Ben Jamie? Uh, they won the first game against Lebanon. Uh, they were tested, and that's probably not a bad thing. Um, but Samoa, Samoa getting pounded, absolutely pounded by England. Yeah, just a message to every Samoan uh, friend of mine uh, last week who pretty much was telling me that they should just engrave their name on the trophy uh, right now. Uh, what a bunch of build-ups, guys. Man, like, that was... I, I, I wasn't confident that they were going to win, but I don't think they are going to get whipped by that that much. Um, I mean, in saying that, though, uh, England have kind of flown under the radar a bit from our sort of media perspective. Um, but then you actually look at their team, you're like, actually, most of those guys play in the NRL. I don't even know a lot of those guys are actually English. Um, so they're really they're looking really good. Um, obviously, they had a few hiccups uh, over the weekend with firstly the, um, the opening ceremony, Mike uh, cutting out, and then a few broadcast issues. But it was really heartening to see there's some really good crowds. Um, St. James's Park at Newcastle was almost sold out, and then they had... 14,000 and for the Kangaroos versus Fiji uh, game yesterday as well. So, like, really good um, support there. Um, but just on the Kiwis, I think that game went pretty much the way that everyone kind of thought it would. Like, that Lebanon side is, you know, it's pretty good. They've got, a, obviously, a very good house partnership in Mitchell Moses and Adam Doherty. And they performed really well at the last uh, World Cup. Um, so, for the Kiwis to run out, you know, about 20-point winners was, was about right. Uh, I think. Um, and awesome to see Joey Manu putting on a really good performance as well. He's got potential to be a real star of this tournament. Um, scored a really, really good individual try there. And um, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, Michael Maguire was, felt like he wasn't really that happy afterwards because, you know, it was a bit of a scrappy win. But, you know, like, it's it's better to be pulling out scrappy wins now than and, and to save your best rugby league uh, for the business end of the tournament because that's where the key was going to be. Absolutely. Uh, just finally, uh, Guy Haveld, Martin Guptill or no Martin Guptill? Well, I'm slightly biased. I know Martin pretty well, but I, my bias aside, I would still play him. Um, you're going to a World Cup. 
You've got the the highest run scorer in our T20 history. Um, you know, one of the best limited overs batsmen in our history of all time. Um, of course, you'd play him. Uh, I know he's been in a pretty lean patch in, in recent times, but a lot of our batters have. Um, so he hasn't been alone in that department. And you're going over to Australia, the cauldron that is Australia. Uh, I would have thought that you'd want some experience there uh, towards the top of the order. That's nothing for Allen. Finnellan is the future of New Zealand cricket at the top of the order in the white ball game, and he will be a phenomenon. I just wonder if it's a little bit too early to be throwing him into that top order. The other thing, Smithy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is um, Adam Milne, what, what's going on there? He can, he, there's either three reasons why he couldn't play that final. Um, one is they don't think he can play back-to-back games. He's not fit enough. Two is he's got a, a more serious injury than, than maybe what they're letting on. Or three, they don't think he's better than Blitz. And if it's three, uh, man, I'd be very worried about the state of those selectors if they don't think it's better than Blair Tickner. Uh, with all due respect to Blair, um, I, I, I think that team is so much better when it's got Adam Milne in it. And if he's either uh, considered not good enough, or, or uh, which I'm sure he's not, but I hope he's not, uh, but that's one of the things that I read into it, or he um, isn't fit enough to play back-to-back games, that's a massive concern as well. So I, I yeah... I don't know how this team's going to go over there. Obviously, it's a pretty cutthroat environment in the T20 World Cup. If they make the semi-finals, anything can happen from there. But they're in a tough pool, um, and uh, yeah, I think they might face a bit of a mountain to get out of their pool. Totally agree, actually. And uh, I'm I've always been a bit uh, perplexed when it comes to um, the, some of the selections um, of this group and the conservative nature of it. But uh, certainly, to play Tickner ahead of him if he was fit, very unusual. Very, very unusual. You're right. Uh, Guy Havelt and Jamie Wall have been our panellists this morning. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, all the best uh, this weekend to both of you in that crucial encounter down there in Christchurch. It is uh, 10.45 here, and uh, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning around about 10.20. Well, a couple of uh, observations here uh, about sport uh, just uh, over the weekend. And, uh, in fact, Paddy has uh, kept his eye very closely on the Kiwis this morning. He said uh, the biggest takeaways from the Kiwi game, we look rusty and a bit out of sorts except for Manu. Uh, Jesse Bromwich is the new Sam Kane and that is the captain who shouldn't be in the team. And Michael Checker, obviously an exceptional coach. He's the head coach of Argentina and Union, head coach of Lebanon and League. He's been an assistant at the Sydney Roosters and a director of rugby at the Green Rockets in Japanese rugby. So certainly he's a very experienced man and uh, Lebanon uh, we're uh, tasty enough first up fixture, I think it's fair to say, to expose those areas you're talking about, Paddy. Uh, Carlos has come in and said, the eye-watering watch over the weekend for me was Liverpool beating the world's best club team, Manchester City. Uh, the eye-opening performance uh, for was watching the start of the Women's Big Bash League. Uh, this is the premium T20 competition in the world with international stars Sophie Eccleston, Tammy Beaumont, Marianne Cup. Harman Preet Kaur, Deandra Dotton, and our own Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, Marty Green, Hayley Jensen, Leah Tahuhu, and the Kerr sisters. Go check out Maddie Green's catch last night playing for the Scorchers. That's as good as any you will see this summer. Thanks for that, Carlos. I'll do just that. Uh, and just finally, uh, from Stephen Smithy, I understand that the South Canterbury Wanganui final is being moved to Christchurch as a curtain raiser to Canterbury Wellington game. Gives the Butcher Boys great exposure. Go uh, Tyler, Rogers, Holden. And that was from Stephen from Manarewa. Stephen, thank you very much for that. I wasn't aware of it. Thanks for the update. 10.52 here on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. 
your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. And we're going across the Tasman to catch up with uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, this morning for our update. Uh, Louis, uh, you were at Randwick at the weekend, as was half of Australia. Great crowd. Didn't turn out to, to uh, be the one, though, for um, uh, fans of Nature's Trip. But uh, if you were in the Andrew Forsman camp, you'd be happy. Yes, Louis. I, I have to give my everything to Peter Valandis. What a job he has done. I've never experienced anything like Randwick for the Everest. Sydney, it was the first sunny weekend I'd had in about a year, and it was unreal. A fellow half of the city was there, you're right. It was awesome. And I actually just bumped into Steve Hansen at the airport. They asked him about Nature's Trip. How did he pull up? And he said, yeah, pretty good, considering he had a tough run. And he did. He had such a tough run, Sydney. And then Giga Tips, well, the three-year-old, who knew he'd go to that level? Almost nobody. I certainly didn't. What a weekend. And um, you make the point about Andrew Forsman. How good is this fight going? Three from three at Caulfield. He's given us on the trainers' premiership in Melbourne City. Yeah, that's where he is. He even, he's from Cambridge. And he's contending in the Melbourne trainers' premiership. It's insane. And a group one back home. So, huge weekend. And no, I've never experienced anything like Randwick. And um, I'll be coming back for sure. That that was unbelievable, Deborah. And uh, just uh, just very quickly, uh, Louis, Mustang Valley confirming favouritism in the Livermore? Oh, yeah. I mean, she was huge. Her action was always going to suit the wet track. And, again, Forsman's got some trains in the second at the moment. So what an awesome job by Windsor Park and everyone involved there. How good. Love it, Sydney. Back on deck tomorrow, mate. I'll be here. Locked in. Good on you, boy. Pretty for Good on you, boy. They need the, they need the driver. Those boys need the driver. It is uh, coming up to 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Louis out of uh, Australia, home tomorrow. Good news. Uh, We'll be with uh, Greg Alexander after the break. That is great news on the Rugby League World Cup. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.03 on this side of the Tasman. Uh, it's uh, earlier, of course, uh, where Greg Alexander joins us uh, from right now. I can see him poised in the uh, Sydney studio of uh, SEN. And uh, we've got to have uh, him on the show because we've got to talk about uh, the Rugby League World Cup. The world's in World Cup mode at the moment with all of them going on around the world. But uh, seriously, uh, focus in the UK on uh, this important event. Uh, so, uh, Greg Alexander, Brandy, thanks so much for uh, giving us some time after your show this morning. Chat, Ian. Uh, great, great to see you. I think you, you need to water that plant sitting behind you, but uh, otherwise everything's good, mate. <laughs> Wife has one job, eh? One job in this whole studio. One job, mate. Uh, okay, actually, I will now that you think. But some, sometimes how you work, walk past something, you know, a hundred times a day and you don't notice it. Thank you for pointing that out, I'm, mate. I'm very observant. Uh, you are. You're absolutely very observant. And you would have been observant uh, over uh, the result, I think, that's got us all uh, a little bit uh, bemused. It was uh, England beating uh, Samoa 60-6. to Didn't see that coming, mate. Absolutely stunned, Smitty. I, I could not believe it. I got up at quarter past three to get into Fox to uh, cover the Fiji uh, Kangaroos game, which was kicking off at, uh, at 5 5.30. And uh, I, was, I was getting up as my 20-year-old son was getting home uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And as he walked up the stairs, I said, 
I said, hey, good to see you, Braithy. Uh, I said, uh, how was your night? And he said, yeah, good, Dad. Uh, good. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, England beat Samoa 60 to 6. And I said, I thought he'd had too much to drink. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, he was making more sense than me at 3 o'clock in the morning. But I, I, I was stunned because when you had a look at the lineup, and I know they'd come in as favourites, Samoa, and for good reason, with the players, with the lineup that they had, uh, they probably deserved to be favourites. England had some injuries with a few key players not taking part in the World Cup. Everyone was thinking, wow, it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough World Cup for the home side. But it was a stunning performance. But as good as England were, uh, Samoa were, were, were worse than anyone thought that they could be. And that's put a lot of pressure on the coach, Matt Parrish. But I think some of the senior players, you know, deserve to be... They need to be accountable too. You can, you can blame the coach, but, you know, coaching, I think coaches get too much credit when sides win. I, I think they get criticised too much when sides lose. And there's some senior players in that Samoan lineup that have won grand finals, played in state of origin games, that need to be accountable as well. That was, uh, that was a surprise for everyone. I don't know how we got it so wrong. Australia played their first game yesterday. Uh, Fiji Barty, of course, uh, in the end, that was uh, relatively comfortable at 42-8. What did you make of Australia's first hit out and uh, Fiji in, in their first up effort? Yeah, look, I, I wasn't surprised that, that the Australians were a little bit clunky. Um, they haven't played together, uh, and that's how it looked. Uh, their effort was great. Defensively, they were very strong. I, I didn't think Fiji were ever going to be a match for Australia. Um, you knew that with the players that they had in their side, and uh, Api Korosau in at hooker, Viliami Kikau in the back row, and a, a number of other NRL players, that Fiji would be competitive to a point, and then they would wear them down. And that's that's exactly what happened. Ian, uh, Australia looked better as the half, the first half wore on, and then they looked much better in the second half, scoring four tries in that second half. Uh, but it was still a little clunky, and Mal admitted that Mal Meninga after the game said, you know, there's a bit to work on. They they did what they were required to defensively, and Fiji kick, scored two tries, both off kicks, and uh, and the Kangaroos, uh, he said, will improve a lot with the ball. And, you know, we won't know until we get the sort of quarterfinal stage exactly what the best or the side that Mal thinks is the best side. And he's got some mm-hmm. decisions to make. There's... There's a number of players that are givens and that they are they will be playing. You know the players that are the walk-up starts in the final when they get to the or the when they get to the uh, the knockout stage of the tournament. Uh, but there's some spots up for grabs. Of course, the halfback debate has uh, been, you know, the the, the point of uh, I think contention for for everyone is clearly the halfback is. Uh, DCE, who got the first crack at it. Will he be the halfback? There's combinations to think of. The Queensland combination, both hookers will be there. Cameron Munster will be the 5'8". Uh, who's the halfback that best suits the game of both those players? Uh, is it one of the best players in the comp, Nathan Cleary, or is it the man that played origin with them? So that's what Mal has to work out. Naturally, I think Cleary should be the half after the the two seasons that he's had in the NRL and his state of origin performances over the last couple of years. I know people want to say, well, Cherry Evans was better than him in origin, but, uh, you know, a two-point winning game three, does that mean that, you know, you are a better player than 
the bloke that was on the losing side? I don't think so. Um, and then that will determine who plays lock. Now, Cameron Murray started at lock for Australia against Fiji. But you would think if Nathan Cleary is the half, Isaiah Yeo would be the starting lock. So mm. these, are the, these are the selection dilemmas that Mal has to work out. And, and um, I guess they're good dilemmas. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of debutants that he, he cracked into uh, in game one. So it'll mm. be interesting to see now that we get, because he rested the, the grand final players, didn't he? So it'll be interesting to see because it's not, it's not as if you've got a long time to sort of formulate a side, is it? It's quite quick fire. Yeah, it is. It is, Ian. And, and they get a week's break between games. So And so you... You really, you know, if you want to come up with your best side pretty quickly, and I think Mal needs to. So when, when Australia plays Scotland early next, this Saturday, next Saturday morning, uh, those players that were rested for game one will all get a crack. Cleary will be there. Um, you know, Isaiah Yo will come in. We'll have two new back rows. Liam Martin, another one of the grand finalists, will come into the back row. Regan Campbell-Gillard from the Eels will play in the front row. And... Um, you don't have much time. So I would be thinking after this game in Scotland, Mal needs to get to his best side quick, especially if it is new players and the new players that we've just mentioned. If it is Cleary, he Cleary needs time on the field with Munster and Harry Grant and Ben Hunt as part of the, the Australian spine. So I, I think he needs to make his mind up pretty quickly and then keep the best players and keep his team on the field for the quarter quarterfinals, leading into what will be the you know, well, the semi-final between Australia and New Zealand is the final a week early. I think whichever side wins that will go through and win win the World Cup. Um, you know, that is, I said that earlier. Possibly the form of England means that, you know, it, this could be a great World Cup final. But with the two strongest sides in the same side of the draw, I think the final comes a week early. Mm, interesting, that. Uh, and we, of course, had our f- first hit out this morning against the Michael Checker coached uh, Lebanon, which is interesting in itself. Uh, we were uh, a little bit uh, shaky as well to begin with. In the end, got the job done efficiently. I imagine you were on air most of that uh, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think I did it, have a, a look decent at enough start. A yeah, decent I, enough I, start for us. Yeah, I, I watched it. And I, I thought, and Joey Manu was awarded man of the match. Now, if there has been a performance so far in the the five or six games that we've played in this World Cup, it was Joey Manu. Like, he, he was absolutely brilliant. And he played at fullback. There was a six-minute period in that second half where Manu scored a try and set up two others. And his individual try, Ian, uh, is the individual try of the tournament so far. Uh, they scored 18 points in a six-minute period to get rid of uh, uh, Lebanon, and who were very competitive. I, I thought Lebanon, and Lebanon have got some, some good players in their lineup. So that was probably as hard a hit out, you know, for the two best teams. I, I think Lebanon might be able to cover Fiji if they came up against them, if they both get to the quarterfinals. Uh, so it was a good hit out for the Kiwis and a, and a good start for them. And I, I don't think that was Michael Maguire's best side that he, he could put on the park. Jerome Hughes still has to come back into it. And there's probably another couple of forwards. Moses Leota from Penrith. I think what he's done in the uh, in the NRL and certainly his game in the grand final, I'd have I'd have Moses Leota in your top 17, in the Kiwis' top 17. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think good start from the Kiwis. One of the, one of the hard things uh, about the format of this tournament, uh, as you say, about the best two sides perhaps being on the same side of the draw, is the other thing, because normally, Greg, when you go to World Cups, you like to build into it 
uh, as one of the favoured teams. So you like to be able to say, right, uh, we're progressing forward. But here we have now, New Zealand are going to play Jamaica and Ireland. Uh, I just wonder. I, I wonder about ma- maintaining intensity. Yeah, it makes it hard because I, I don't know, and, and I've been saying this about the Australians, Ian, where Mal says, you know, we'll see how these players go and, you know, they they can put their hand up for selection in terms of, you know, which side I come up with that will play in the knockout end of the draw. But uh, very hard to tell, you know, when you're playing against sides that you will probably beat by 60 or 70 points. Um, you know, how much does it mean if you come up with three tries or four tries? Um the intensity-wise will be difficult for those sides, for the for the two sides. Australia play Italy, uh, Scotland, then Italy. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it it's a pretty soft way to lead into the quarterfinals. And then all of a sudden, they meet each other in the semifinal. So they have to build up pretty quick. And that's what I mean. They have to get to their best sides a week early. Because they meet each other in the semifinal, you want to be playing your last pool game and then the quarterfinal with your best team to meet New Zealand or vice versa for, for the Kiwis to meet Australia. Interesting one uh, coming up on Wednesday, which is a game I think uh, we'll all look at. Uh, it might have an even nature to it for a while as well. Tonga, of course, highly fancy Tonga, Papua New Guinea. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and the Tongans, after the performance of, uh, of Samoa, the Tongans will certainly fancy their chances. And, and Samoa and Tonga now might meet in a quarter final. And, of course, Tonga are on the same side of the draw as Samoa and England. Uh, so you wouldn't think Samoa would finish top. on. They won't finish top of their group. England will finish top of their group. Uh, and you would think that uh, the Tongans will finish top of their group, which means they'll meet Samoa in a quarterfinal. The Kummels will be, I, the Kummels will be competitive, but I, I, I can't see PNG matching, matching Tonga. Tonga are a, a powerhouse pack. Uh, they've got some great outside backs, so uh, it will be a good game for a while, but I, I'm expecting Tonga to finish on top of the, the PNG Kummels. Just getting back to the Australian uh, halfback position, uh, Greg, and I, I just wonder if you were looking at it and you looked at the kicking games, the two respective kicking games of Cleary and uh, Cherry Evans, and you, you bear in mind the dimensions of English football fields as such, would that be a factor in your selection? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I, and you're talking about the dead ball area being very yeah. skinny. Yeah, I, look, both players have very good kicking games. Both players have great long kicking games. Jerry Evans over the last decade has, I think, been one of the best 40-20 kickers. Um, Nathan Cleary's aerial attack on the back three of the opposition generally isn't done near the goal line, Ian. He, he throws the ball up around halfway and so it's it's got no you know th- there's no danger of it going dead or you know not having a big enough in goal to work with and they can they can very quickly uh, change what they do in the NRL to what they need to do over there and that's keep the, the ball away from the in goal area keep it short of the try line but Cleary is such an accurate kicker and I can imagine the work that he would be doing over there in England now just trying to get him his, his own kicking game suited to the dimensions of the field over there. Don't, there's there's no problem about about him adjusting uh, the way he kicks to suit the fields. How's Vossi going over there? Is he is he found a, a, a bitter or something that he likes? 
Well, I, I don't know. He, he's, he's, he, he likes the Nandos, and, and we, we, got a, we got a text. He, 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 he's, he's worried about packing on the KGs over there. He said last World Cup he was, he was over there in 2013, I think, and he said, I'm worried that I'll put on the 11 kilos that I did last time. So uh, I think Vossi's thinking more of food than drink, Ian, but uh, we did cross to him <laughs> at halftime in that game, and um, he's loving it. Uh, he's, uh, there's no one better to have at a World Cup in England, the home of rugby league, than Andrew Voss. I, I, and just before we finish, um, uh, Brandy, um, Manly without Diaz Hasler just doesn't sort of seem right. Well, it, it, it doesn't. And But, you know, things in the <laughs> coaching in the NRL never ends nicely. It doesn't matter what you've done with the club. doesn't matter who you are. And Des has already been through this in 2011 when he when – he, when he jumped ship and, and joined the Bulldogs, um, you know, we saw it and, and everybody said, well, you know, it was handled badly. Things are never handled well. Like whenever there is a split at the top, whenever there is a coach that either walks or is pushed, uh, it's always played out in the media and, it, and it's always handled poorly. No one, I, I can't remember a time when, you know, people are saying, boy, they handled that really well, you know, like. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. gone, and they've they've done it in such a way that it hasn't affected anyone. So, Manly without Des is strange, uh, and if it, it is Anthony Seabold who comes in, um, people are, you know, they can understand the way he exited Brisbane, which which was another one which ended poorly. Um, I think he can coach Anthony Seabold, um, and it it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and Desi's. A departure from Manly, I think there's still a little bit more to play out there in terms of legal action and depend and you know what he does, what he's entitled to. So we'll we'll, we'll keep following the the Des Manly story, but uh, you could see it only headed one way after the season and following the story. It was Des wasn't going to walk away from a contract money owed to him, and he mm-hmm. just. He pushed the Seagulls into the situation that they found themselves where they said, well, we're going to have to sack him, and that's exactly what they did. Greg Alexander, always great catching up to you, mate, especially after your show. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Um, And uh, we'll see as this Rugby League unfold, World Cup unfolds, uh, just what comes of it. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, We'll talk again. Good Good on you, Smitty. Cheers, uh, Greg Alexander there, folks, uh, out of his uh, SEN studio over there in Sydney. It's on the 1170 frequency, actually, if uh, you're in New South Wales, and uh, you'll catch him and Vossi in the normal part of the year. Of course, they'll be together uh, in the uh, breakfast show, but, uh, of course, Vossi is a man on the spot uh, for the Rugby League World Cup in the UK as we speak. Uh, More on the the Rugby League World Cup uh, as it, uh, of course, it unfolds uh, from our point of view, but just reiterating that uh, New Zealand did get the job done this morning uh, quite comfortably in the end against uh, Lebanon, which was uh, a pretty stern test. But uh, cobwebs there, obvious cobwebs in the performance that Michael Maguire has to attend uh, to. Coming up to 11.20 here, um, and uh, we'll be back very shortly. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Chase McGrath. For the win for the Volunteers. From 40. On the way, a knuckleball. He got it! And here they come. All right, Coach. Hey, how much? 
These fans, phenomenal. What an environment, man. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, they were scenes after Tennessee, uh, who are the number six seeds, beat uh, Alabama, the Crimson Tides. Tennessee, the Vols, short for volunteers. Alabama are the Crimson Tide. It's the first time they've beaten them in 50, 15 years. They beat them 52-49 with that late field goal. Uh, Alabama is now 132-1. and when scoring at least 49 points in a game. Uh, Tennessee have uh, improved their ranking now to uh, second nationally, while the Crimson Tide dropped down to fifth, which is very rare for them. Um, and apparently, I didn't see this, Logan saw this, and he'll be able to tell us a bit more about it now. Uh, the fans stormed the field, collected the goalposts, and carried them out of the ground. Fantastic. Yeah, huge scenes there in Knoxville, Tennessee, Smithy there. Uh, they call it the Rocky Top Nylon Stadium. Capacity, just over 100,000. And it was just this swarm of orange just taking to the field, climbing all over the goalposts, and yes, uh, as you said, taking them away with them, cl- you know, going up the stairs in the stadium, finding their way out. Uh, maybe some might have found their way in the Tennessee River. Some might have gone down to the local bars. Who knows? But there would have been a good amount of hangovers the next day, I would say, in Knoxville. It was just just insane scenes. And you got to love that when you watch like college football when stuff like that takes over. And you talk about tribalism in sports. That's some of the best. I would imagine there's some pretty smart cookies uh, there in that crowd for Tennessee, being uh, university students. I would imagine uh, they probably ended up at a couple of flats around the Tennessee area, and they will have had, uh, as we speak, been cutting them up into little uh, units of, uh, of about, I don't know, 12 inches to a foot of goalpost, and they'll be selling those, those boys and girls, they'll be selling those, on uh, some sort of market and creaming it, absolutely creaming it for that piece of history. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, Smithy, I might, I might hop onto eBay uh, during the news and just see if I can find any. I reckon, I reckon that would be a great concept. Gosh, the Americans do college sport well, don't they? I mean, a lot of people um, in parts of the world would say they do it too well, it's too much pressure on the kids, um, you know, it's too hard on them in this stage of uh, their upbringing, etc. to put all this uh, national focus on them it's all televised of course um but uh, that is the american way and what it effectively effectively does is it, it's a great feeder system into the draft system and football and basketball um and baseball whatever um and it, it's just quite it's quite staggering actually um the ratings the television ratings and the crowd sizes they get for college events and you know, i was lucky enough to go to a football game west virginia uh, played, uh, they played against their next door neighbours, uh, Pittsburgh, um, and the local clash. Uh, and I'm telling you, it was rocking, absolutely rocking, like any All Black game I've ever been to, like any World Cup game I've ever been to. The stadium, and these uh, stadiums were, of course, because they're college football stadiums, no alcohol alive, so uh, allowed. So they were just uh, actually living on the adrenaline and the importance of the match, which uh, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, right, uh, text have got in from Maggie, actually. Hi, Smithy. Forgive me if this has been covered already, but I see uh, the uh, 2020 warm-up games are on the, later today, but not the New Zealand game. Does the host broadcaster not want to spend a crew on New Zealand? Well, Maggie, they'd have to make a decision here, um, and you're quite right, we're, we're going to miss out on that regard. But they've also got to spread their uh, resources around a wee bit in between games. They have also... Uh, they are obliged to be covering the uh, qualifying matches, um, and th- so therefore today they're also doing the West Indies against Scotland, 
Uh, they were doing Zimbabwe against Ireland, which um, they don't sound like much, but they're two very interesting games, actually. They're capable of upsets, so uh, that is uh, particularly what uh, they have to focus on. Of course, the, anything Australia they do, uh, does they'll always cover, and anything that India does, uh, they'll always cover as well. So, um, you know, they have to just uh, be careful about how they spread the resources, but... Uh, our game will be on on Saturday night don't worry about that and uh, we'll rake through the roof it's a massive occasion um, against Australia sold out Sydney Cricket Ground that will be absolutely heaving here's uh, an opportunity for you now to call in on 0800 150 811 and we'll give away our first uh, TAB voucher for 50 bucks for the week Brian will be sitting waiting for your calls Uh, Logan will be the quiz master this morning and uh, someone will be smiling at the end of it there's no doubt about that here's uh, Arawa with the update. Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's our favourite time of the morning here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith, where we play Stumped and a $50 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs. Quick update before we get into it, though, and get our contestants all lined up. Smithy, after Brandy's recommendation, I see that you have watered the plant in your studio. I have actually. Uh, it was looking shocking. So um, brown around the edges of the leaves, and it's appalling. Uh, so my my, my uh, cupido peace lily is looking anything but peaceful at this point. So <laughs> we'll we'll just see what's happened. Just see what's happened. If uh, we'll see if the, the good old H two H two O makes any difference, mate. We'll see. Some high quality H two O there in Hawke's Bay, no doubt it. Ah, uh, but first up at the crease, we go into Cambridge. Kevin, come in, mate. How you going, mate? How you going, Kev? How was your weekend? Oh, great. Great one, Smitty. Thank you. Yes, good weekend on the punt, so it's all good. Oh, good man. What was your focus sports-wise? Uh, the sport, well, yeah, where do you start, eh? It's, uh, <laughs> I haven't got Spark Sports, so I can't watch the uh, league live now, or the women's rugby live, but uh, there's plenty of good racing on in the... I, I, I caught the uh, most of the Canterbury game. Uh, yeah, Canterbury were just good enough um, as as always. Yeah. This thorough enough at this time of the year. So, grand final: Wellington versus uh, Canterbury, an absolute thriller down there on uh, Saturday night in Christchurch. Right, uh, Logan, let's get stuck into this. What are the categories today for Kevin? Uh, the categories to choose from today, Kevin, are golf, the NPC, and NFL. Take your pick. Oh, let's go NPC, eh, Smitty? Sounds good to me, Kev. Sounds good to me. Let's go for it. All right, good luck to you both. All right, first question for you, Kevin. Wellington took Auckland to school in the NPC semi-final at the Caketon, winning 54-19 to gain their place in the final. Who scored a double for the Lions? That's the game I didn't see. Um, who scored a double? Let's say... Let's go TJ. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. OK, uh, who scored a double at the weekend for Wellington? Um, did I see this? Did I not see this? I know Ruben Love scored one try, but he scored two. Uh, Asafa Omua, did he score two? Asafa Omua. 
one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Good guess considering the season he's having, Smithy, but no, the correct answer I was looking for is Riley Higgins. Riley Higgins, of course. Yep, very handy handy midfielder, Riley Higgins. Okay. All right, second question for you, Kevin. This one hurts me a little. <clears throat> Canterbury defeated a spirited Bay Plenty 24-10 in the other NPC semi-final on the weekend. Who scored all of Canterbury's points? Uh, that it would have been was it Fergus Peck? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That's right, Smithy. Two tries, four penalties, and a conversion. All to Fergus Burke. Outstanding talent, this kid. Don't worry. Um, you know, they just continue to produce great tens down there in uh, Christchurch. Um, they just have a bloodline for them, and th- this guy just continued on, and that was that was a performance which belies his uh, youth and experience, to be fair. Uh, so mark his uh, name down as being a key factor this weekend and something that Wellington certainly have to target around the, the playmaking area. So... Yep, Fergus Burke. All right, last question. Kevin, $50 TAB bonus bet on the line here. Of course, uh, they haven't played each other this season because of the way the NPC works now, but Canterbury and Wellington last met in an NPC final back in 2013 with the Cantabs winning that one for another title. Who skippered the Canterbury side that day? 2013? Yes. Oh, let's go Sam Whitlock. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's uh, it's a good guess. It's a really good guess. Smithy, over to you. Uh, I'm thinking Richie McCaw here. I'm absolutely thinking Richie McCaw, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure whether he'd have been uh, playing in that game. If it wasn't uh, Richie McCaw, Sam Whitelock, halfback, Mitchell Drummond type players. Um, um, 2015. 13. No, I'm, I'm a, 2013, sorry. I'm a bit buggered here, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know, Mark Hammett. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, I mean, Kevin, you win anyway because that is the rules of Stumped. You get the $50 TAB bonus bet. <laughs> but you will be ruining how close you got to getting it right. It was a white lock, but his name is George. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, well, right George family, wrong branch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right family, right family tree, wrong branch. You're absolutely right, Kevin. So, okay, well done, mate. You have won. Um, stay on the line. And Brian will get your details off you. Hard luck, Pac-Man. Um, uh, give Thank us you. another call tomorrow. And Hayden as well. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if the Pac-Man was up um, and hates things over the weekend or not, to be perfectly honest. Um, he is um, a mad keen punter, the Pac-Man. Uh, 11.38 uh, coming up uh, here on SENZ. And, of course, uh, tomorrow morning uh, around about 11.30, we'll give you another opportunity to win the 50 bucks. And it's like... Taking um, candy off a baby, getting it off me at the moment. I am average, to be to be honest. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back shortly. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, just a point of uh, interest um, in the uh, World Cup uh, over in Australia, the T20 World Cup. This is uh, uh, the Netherlands, 112 for seven, ran down 
uh, UAE's 111 for 8. Uh, playing at uh, the Geelong Cat Stadium, actually, those uh, two games, the one that which uh, Sri Lanka lost as well. And I noticed there wasn't a lot of run once the ball pitched. It stopped dead almost. So uh, though perhaps the scores didn't reflect the, the speed uh, of the outfield or the quality of the cricket, to be fair, but they're very low-scoring affairs. But in the... Um, in the Netherlands lineup is a fellow by the name of Tim Pringle, and he is the son of Chris Pringle, uh, former Black Cap. So there you go. Uh, he qualifies um, uh, to play for the Netherlands. And so Tim Pringle playing there. He got 15 from 16. And uh, also uh, with the ball, he's quite a handy all-rounder. He bowled uh, four overs and took one for 13. So there you go. Good all-round performance from the son of... Uh, right, also Richard has come in and said, uh, Smithy, over the weekend, New Zealand secondary schools, New Zealand barbars, New Zealand Māori under 18, and Fiji schools had a quadrangular tournament. Uh, why wouldn't Sky have covered these games in Hamilton, given their big coverage of First 15 rugby? Uh, Richard, I would think because their resources were perhaps uh, stretched a little bit far to do that. Um, also, of course, is, um, they are supplied by NEP. Uh, all the equipment is uh, supplied by NEP now. And, uh, of course, NEP are also providing equipment for um, the uh, Women's World Cup, which was uh, spread over two uh, provinces as well, uh, Auckland and, of course, uh, Northland. Uh, there was also um, the Phoenix game on. There was also the Breakers game on. There was also um, the Silver Ferns were playing, of course, down in Taronga. So, uh, Richard, I would imagine they looked at it, considered it, uh, with their uh, sur- um, support of uh, secondary school rugby, and found that just uh, on this particular occasion, there was just simply too much going on that they weren't able to do it. So uh, there you go. So just uh, referring to uh, David Nika, uh, we had a discussion about him on the panel. Um, and uh, Guy Havelt was saying that he'd be worried about his defence a wee bit with the, the cut he got. Well, that was sustained uh, from a headbutt um, and, uh, or a clash of heads as such. So... Uh, perhaps um, an freakish, aren't they? A freakish kind of um, injury. So Andrew's come in and says, has the 2020 World Cup started? Andrew, it has started with a hiss and a roar. And the qualifying games, of course, the qualifying games uh, for the teams to get through to um, the, the Super Round, which New Zealand begin with on uh, Saturday night against Australia. Uh, there are teams trying to qualify for that. So uh, early, early blood to uh, the Netherlands and, of course, uh, Namibia and that shock result over Sri Lanka and uh, other games are in line today including Scotland and the West Indies which might be a little bit closer than uh, people suggest <coughs> some of the I'd be playing guppy says uh, Richard also because uh, once he hits form he usually stays in form so more cricket the better for him he might be the player uh, on the day to get us across the line in a crucial game as one player on his day can win the game with a special performance in T20 you're so right uh, it only takes one standout performance to uh, win a game uh, with bat or ball, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I think Trent Bolt's a big asset for us, uh, particularly if he can get the ball to swing just enough, just enough um, in Australia. So I think there's a factor there, but um, I'm, I'm still convinced that uh, Guppy would be my man and that. And you're dead right, when he does hit form, he stays in form. And in this particular tournament, if he struck form early and uh, these warm-up games... Uh, I'd be playing them. Uh, I'm not sure that they will. But I'd be playing them, but uh, doesn't uh, seem at, at this point that uh, they're interested in, in doing that. Uh, I have seen Sky advertising Wednesday's warm-up game, so that will be um, maybe against India. That'll be on because uh, anything India do is televised in the world of cricket, uh, all around the world because of the attractive audience. Incidentally, I was watching the game 
uh, involving Sri Lanka, massive crowd, massive uh, Sri Lankan contingent in Geelong. They'll have uh, travelled down, a lot of them from Melbourne, and that's about an hour and a quarter down the road, so they would have been able to do that uh, quite easily, and they would have left very, very disappointed on the back of the fact that uh, their team was rolled in sensational fashion uh, by Namibia. Uh, hi, Smithy. What chance Scotland tipping over the unpredictable Windies at $5.90, says Mark. I believe they're a chance. I honestly do. I wouldn't be throwing the kitchen sink at it, Mark, but uh, they're uh, a handy side. They pushed us a couple of times when we were playing earlier in the year. Um, and, uh, you know, those are the kind of sides uh, that they always have got one outstanding performance in them. Is there outstanding? Is Scotland's outstanding better than the West Indies average? I think it would be. This is not, for me, a great West Indies lineup. West Indies have been the most successful T20 country in terms of World Cups, but I don't fancy that this is going to be one of their great years, to be honest. I just don't see them being a factor with the resources that they've got. For me, England, Australia, India, and then after that, the group. England, Australia, India. If Pakistan fire up at the top order, they're a little bit top order heavy for me. They rely too much on Rizwan and Baba Azam. If uh, you can get them, if you can get them two for ten, and they're back in the hut, I think you've got a great chance of beating Pakistan. I don't not, not quite sure that they've got the balance all the way down their side. The rest of them, uh, big, 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 uh, big contenders. I feel India, uh, England, and uh, Australia. England, England. Their white ball cricket is just astonishing at the moment. It is uh, eleven uh, forty nine. Coming up eleven fifty here on SENZ. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.